G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. I am Lech Dog. I'm joined by Damo and Patch. Damo, how are you, you beautiful human? I am good, Lech. How are you, mate? Fantastic. Let's not talk about Carlton. They were in the last podcast anyway, weren't they? So let's move on from that. Patchy. What's going on? Lech Dog, I'm glad you've convened the Council of Sleeves because we have important news to discuss. Well, that's right. This is an emergency oh. podcast, Damo. Now, most people were expecting part two to the Pocket Profiles review, but we need to have a serious chat about need, North Melbourne football. We need football to have a talk. This is not good. Not you, know what, good. Though, so, you, you know what it looks like? It looks like when you go to a football game in a non-sleeve jumper with a white long-sleeve shirt underneath it. So, community, of course, we are talking about North Melbourne have unveiled, unveiled, unveiled their... I mean, they. Uh, I guess oh, it's a sleeved Guernsey, and I'm. I mean, I'm in two minds because Damo, you're right. You've described it perfectly. It looks like Jaden Stevenson is just wearing a long sleeve shirt under his Guernsey, and I'm a big avocado for the long sleeve. You all know it. Hashtag sleeve watch. But this, this tarnishes the reputation of sleeves everywhere. It's a sleeve it's you can sleeve. leave. It's a sleeve you can leave. <laughs> it's a. It's a the. You know, you've got the the blue and white, and then yeah, the the sleeves are white the whole way down. It's obviously they're away Guernsey, and God, like I no, never want to. Isn't there away wanna... Guernsey? Isn't it? Is that their home? That is, is that... their oh. home. That is their home Guernsey. Uh, well, it looks like an accident. It's really. <laughs> I, it's really. I, I never want to put down a sleeve. I never yeah, want exactly. to put down a sleeve. Like I want to support. The only sleeve you want to put down form. is the one on your arms. Yeah, roll them down is what you want to do with them. That's the only downward motion I want to make with sleeves. But this is something I never thought I'd see in my lifetime, and it is a sleeve that I am I am recoiling from. Jaden, what are you doing? Puma, what are you doing? Strip like dissolve Who them as a company. This? Who at North Melbourne saw these sleeves and went, "Yeah, they look good." Presumably a dad. Oh, a dad. Oh, it's just, it's bad. It's real bad. And something needs to be done, honestly. There needs to be some sort of intervention. The AFL needs to step in. Um, Yeah. With stuff at Royal Royal Commission into who designed this. Get it. Just get, get the federal government involved. Get ASIO to tap some phones. Get Legdog involved. (laughs) <laughs> this could be the defining uh, debate point of the coming election. This sleeve might this sleeve might bring down democracy as we know it. They could. This, I mean, this sleeve is a Chinese agent. Just it, it's trying to bring down the country. Divide and <laughs> conquer is what they're trying to do here. And we at Jock Reynolds are not standing for it. We are going to save Australia by destroying this sleeve. Hashtag. Hashtag oh, number four, sleeve it. All right. Let's move on because as upset as I am about this, I've had some time to think about it and recover. I had to actually have a nap after I saw it. So, gentlemen, apologies for the delay to the start of the podcast. It was an anger nap. Damo, let's kick off these pocket profile reviews. Next up we have... The Hawthorne Footy Club, which was done by our very own Foz and Dill. Now, did any names stick out from this pocket profile to you? And is there anyone from the Hawks that you like the look of? Um, I really liked the look of Will Day until I found out that he is still recovering from an injury and they don't know how far away he is. So crossed him off my list pretty quickly. Um, Cicely is the lock. That makes sense. Connor Nash has been mentioned twice because I don't think Dylan Foz talked to each other. <laughs> well, Connor Nash, the reason he would have been mentioned, and I only know because I have him in a keeper league as like my last my last position on my list. But in the uh, the final rounds of the season, um, they deployed him 
as a as a big inside midfielder, he scored 82, 87, 44, and 99. It was it was a, a well, it wasn't a surprising move if you'd watched the VFL, but um, <laughs> breakout or smoky, not someone I'm putting in my team anytime soon. Mm, no, nah, I can't go near him. No, thank you. Not at all. Um, now, they've got a few rookies in this write-up. Josh Ward and Connor McDonald, a highlighted patch. You probably know a bit about these blokes. Uh, are these guys we can slap into our super coach sides right now? Josh Ward, certainly. Connor McDonald, probably. Um, Ward is a smooth-moving Zach Merritt clone from all accounts and has been ripping it apart in intra-clubs and match simulations And Connor McDonald. They've also got huge wraps on and looks like he uh, he's a very good chance to play very early. And if they're both named, they'll both get a run at it and slap him in, let him loose. Yep, they'll be they'll be good if they're playing. And um, I've got both of them in my side and hoping both of them are there round one. Lock them in. Yeah, and Foz has said it, it really depends on how headfirst Sammy Mitchell wants to go in. Yeah, well, I was going to ask, is there any chance of other rookies getting games? Because there's some pretty popular selected players from the Hawthorne Footy Club. There's Sam Butler, mid-forward, 117Ks in 16% of teams. Finn McGuinness, 143K, played a couple games last year. He's in 17% of teams. Um, Hell, even Max Lynch is in a few teams at 207K. Do we think many of these guys get games? Well, I mean, if you talk to Foz and Dill, they don't know why Finn McGuinness is so popular because he's not going to get a game apparently. And I think I understand why people are so many people are selecting Sam Butler. And I don't think it's because he's a dual position and basement priced. I think it's because people are expecting him to come in and play that Paul Poropolo role that is that is now vacant. But I don't think that Sam Mitchell is the type of coach to replace that sort of thing. I think that was very much a Alistair Clarkson role that Clarkson made for his preferred 22. Yeah, I don't... All right, I so don't we think the, the main two are the ones we're looking at, Patch. Yeah, I don't think McGuinness really has a run. I think he, he comes in for a couple of games, then has a game as a sub and then drops back and then I, I don't think he gets a good run at it. And you're yeah, not sure Butler does either. Um, Ned Long is one that really intrigued me during the draft, and they've said he's gone pretty well in intra clubs as well. I don't think he's there round one, but if he does debut, oh boy, am I excited for him at 102k. But outside of that, Max Lynch is the other one. They're still not sure if they're going with uh, the big noodle, Ned Reeves, or Max Lynch to go alongside Big Boy. Um, and I think if Lynch does, then they, Lynch might play forward a bit more. Um, it's really hard to tell um, at this stage what their plan is. So I'm steering clear of Lynch. But if he, you know, if he if if he comes in as the clear number one ruckman come round one after preseason games, do you two consider him? Do you reckon he's a half a chance at at being a dare I say it R two? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm happy to corrective trade into him if he comes out and tons up in the first two weeks. I'm not going to start that man in my super coach side. I think Max Lynch and Braden Pruce are about the same price, and Sam Mitchell's probably going to experiment more in in the ruck department than Leon Cameron is. I'll tell you what, though, two guys that I think are underrepresented in in sides so far this year. Tom Mitchell's in 19% of teams. He was my first lock. Ended up averaging 117 last year and came home like a house on fire. Not sure what the hesitation is with picking him at 638K. I just think, particularly at the start of the season, when I, I reckon uh, the umpires are going to be really strict on tackles and awarding the tackler. I think he's a guy who's going to get a, a boost early in the year. And then also, patch block your ears, Damo, Chad no, Wingard averaged no. 92 across his 16 games last year and he's only in 1% of teams. I can understand not selecting Chad Wingard. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I understand it. He just he seemed to, uh, to excel towards um, you know the back part of that year. I think Sam Mitchell definitely sees Chad Wingard as a midfielder and not a forward. So I think that goes in his favor, but 
they've got so many midfielders that needs to fit into that Hawks midfield. I don't think Sam Mitchell's going to be able to cater for everyone. Yeah, well, be that's, a good that's, VFL that's midfielder a good is what he'll be. Bloody chat, bloody <laughs> VFL bloody... midfielder. <laughs> There's just a lot of unknowns. But all I know is that Tom Mitchell should be in more teams than 19% of teams. I just can, can do you guys I mean you guys might not agree, but he averaged 134 in his last seven games. Um it's just someone I like. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it, Tom Mitchell was one of my first selected as well. Yeah, Chad Wingard, by the way, one sixteen or one seventeen across his last five games of the season. So and was it the other gets, three games were they midfield? Were the other three games thirty, sixty three, and twenty nine? Is that what these other three games were? Yeah, something like that, Patch. You hate him, yeah, man. Man, yeah. you're a hater. And if he brings the sleeves back this year, if Tom, if uh, Sam Mitchell says sleeves are on at Hawthorne, he's in. All right, let's move on from Hawthorne. By the way, you can follow Foz and Dill on Twitter. Uh, you know their details. They're in every tweet we send. All right, let's look at GWS, Patch. You can take this one away. Rightio. Um, uh, Stephen Gnigliog is an option we should consider, and that's it for the GWS Giants. I want nobody else from the Giants. Don't want to talk about them. As uh, as Grady said in his wonderful write-up, avoid Leon Cameron, um, the uh, uh, redacted coach, um, because he's a super coach killer. Um, he speaks in the review about how Tom Green spent a lot of time on the bench for the Giants and for super coaches um, and kind of ruined one of the best young ball-winning mids and contested mids in the game. He'll do the same with Finn Callahan this year. Um, he doesn't want to commit to Braden Proust playing any game time. He doesn't want to commit to Tim Taranto, one of the best young mids in the game, playing in the midfield. He doesn't want to, like Lockie Whitfield, won't have a regular position. Um, do you want me to keep going? Um, I can keep going. <laughs> I feel like if you keep going, you might just keel over and die from getting too angry. I would spontaneously combust. You'll play Isaac Cumming as a small forward. Like... Like Lockie Ash will be the sub for eight games this year. Like if he gives Matt DeBoer or or um, Callum Ward a single centre bounce attendance, I'm going to get very upset. Oh, very he upset. will, but it'll be as the Ruckman. I, you know what? No, I stand by it. I'll be very upset. Um, there's nothing about this side outside of Camilio because of his price point that I am vaguely interested in. So, Cornelio, do we yes, I think? The upside's I mean, too I've good at 250k. It, it took me a while to get to to come around to him, but he's in my side now and hasn't moved. I, I You can't deny the value, and even if he only averages the same amount as he did in his debut year, he's still going to make you 150k. Yeah, I think it's just an easy points on field way to yeah. start your team. He's... Twice the price of a standard rookie, and he's probably going to have. I mean, you'd hope he's going to have twice the output of a standard rookie, or at least close to. And total points are what gets us across the line. He reckons he's fully fit. He reckons his preseason's been uninterrupted. He reckons life's good and he's ready to play footy. So if you get 22 games out of him and he averages 80 uh, and you hold on to him, he's going to be end up being one of those top 20 forwards that I always talk about. Um, Patch, I so you're not a you're not a Lucky Whitfield lover. Lucky Whitfield is a wonderful footballer and a good player of the game of Australian rules football. But Leon Cameron, well, I don't trust him to play him in a regular position where he can get a decent run at it. I I just I've been burnt before. He gets very injured doing the weirdest stuff. Um, I want to like Lucky Whitfield, but I I'm not going to go back there again i can't hurt myself again with Lockie whitfield and sure That's that fair. like that might cost me like i really like him in drafts i think he's a good draft option because he might slide a little bit i in classic uh, there are other premiums that i would rather i feel a lot safer with a lot of other premiums rather than Lockie whitfield I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, I'm torn because I think at 502k he presents a hell of a lot of value. He's also in 43% of teams, so I'm not going to drag you know, him. If you don't... him, but yeah, there's value there. But I just uh, nah, I don't, I don't want to borrow it. I also like Josh Kelly's demo is only in three percent of teams. 
Um, Jacob Hopper's in 0% of teams, who I think is probably a better option than Josh Kelly. Um, but Tim Taranto, 19% of teams. People are worried. The people who don't have him are worried about him playing forward while Toby Green's out. Is that a concern for you? Because for me, if I was going to start him, which currently I'm not, I don't actually mind if he plays forward for the first six rounds. Well, it's it's come from Leon Cameron's mouth that Tim Taranto, he feels, is better as a forward than a midfielder. And I don't because know he's where an idiot. Ah. from with that. But because Taranto is excellent in the midfield, but apparently he thinks that Taranto is going to make more of an impact up forward and Cornelio is going to go back to the midfield. And I mean, that's good for the people who have been Cornelio, but I'm not shelling out, what is it? 550 K for Tim Taranto. Yeah. It's an interesting one, right? Because he, if you pick Tim Taranto, I still think he can average a hundred over those four first six weeks. I just think it's going to come in. He scores 50, he scores 50, he scores 150, he scores 150. Like I think, He's get, there's going to be games where he kicks a few goals and gets a big boost from champion data, but you are in for some for some pain with those 50s. Um, I guess it depends. If you think he's going to be a top six come season end, I mean, he's pretty well, much going he, to be at the same price. He he may well be, but you can also pick him up potentially for 100k cheaper in round six as your first upgrade. So potentially, potentially. I'd, I'd rather start without him and then, you know, if he does Brainerd does go into the midfield, then look to pick him up or wait until Green's back and see a role change before I go near him, basically. And we haven't spoken about Pruce. Is anyone selecting Braden Pruce? There is a version of my team where I have Braden Pruce not on field, though. Yeah, same as me. I've got him at R3. Well, actually, my current team, what I'm looking at, is my um, my line-by-line Essendon, Adelaide, Western Bulldogs team. So uh, I have Charlie Combin and Coleman Jones currently in this iteration of the team, but Braden Proust is my R3. Yeah, I, I don't know. They've, they refuse to confirm whether or not Proust will be the solo ruck or if they'll play him in tandem with Flynn. I want to see him in the preseason and see how he goes and what the split is and how it all works before I really dabble in it. But there is a world where he's a valid R2 option. I just don't want to entertain it. Yeah, just I think yet. I think R two is way too risky, but I'm willing to risk 80k going from a rookie up to Braden Pruce at R three. I'm I'm happy to take that risk. If R2. you st- if you're starting Braden Pruce at R two, you ideally will also have a playing R three. Whether that be Jack Hayes, St Kilda, when you're going to announce Jack Hayes, um, whether that's Jack Hayes, uh, Sam Hayes, Charlie Common, uh. Yeah, the, the version I had had Bailey Williams up forward, Charlie Combin at R3 and Pruce at R2. So that would be, you know, three or yeah, three playing R2 potential rocks. Um, well, big... But a lot needs to go right for that world to, to yeah. exist beyond, you know, the whatever we're calling the preseason games now. We can talk about team structure all day long, but. We're not going to get onto the next team unless I push us along right here, right now. And, Go for uh, it. Baron wrote Adelaide. Who else is, was going to write Adelaide? Like Baron knows Adelaide like the back of his hand, and he has given us so many players that we can look at for our team. His lock is Rory Laird. His breakout is Harry Schonberg. But who in that profile caught your eye, Patch? Um, I really like Schonberg. I don't know how he fits into any real structure this year, um, so I don't know if it's worth taking the punt. Josh Rochelle is the one I really want. Um, and, yeah, we, we've had a little bit of a chat about this um, off-air, whether or not it's worth bringing him in. I think it's, you know, he's the sort of player that can have a three or four game purple patch where he will dominate and average 100 for three or four games and then his price skyrockets and then he goes back to scoring kind of 30 or 40s. Um, so I'm I'm pretty keen on Rochelle and then also Jake Saligo in the last couple of weeks as a rookie option. Uh, but I'm really intrigued by Jordan Dawson. He hasn't really left my side and I don't, yeah, I, I haven't thought too much about it, but he's primed for some more midfield time with as everyone is at this time of year, but he's might be looking at center bounces, playing on a wing. Um, and for a 550k defender, that's, you know, there, there's a lot of upside there. But um, do you guys share that thought? 
Look, Jordan Dawson is $300 too expensive to fit into my defensive structure because I have a strict rule, the 550K rule. Um, but having said that, he averaged like 107 over his last 15 games last year. How much of that was a boost because he was playing, you know, for free agency? How much of that, or to, to move clubs, how much of that was a contract boost? How much of that role is he going to be able to replicate at Adelaide? Presumably, the whole role he can replicate. So I don't mind him as an option. I just think there's um, there's room for him to fall in price. I think 550K is a big outlay. And I've seen people with Tom Stewart as well in their teams, and that's like 580K or whatever he is. And I just think it's it's a lot it's a lot for a position that generally, with some exceptions in the past, but generally you see those players dip in value at some point earlier in the season than later. Um so I'm willing to I'm willing to pass him as a starting option, but I do love him. Damo, I don't know if you see anything differently with Jordan Dawson. Uh, I think he's definitely gone to Adelaide to fill a need, and whether that need is in the midfield or not remains to be seen. I I really did like him across half back and on the wing for Sydney, and I felt like that's where he was scoring his points. So going in the midfield may take some of that away from him and who knows if he's added to that Adelaide Crows midfield mix, it might be a case of too many cooks in the kitchen and not enough points to, to, to go around against your theory though, like dog there. <laughs> and, um, and I mean, I really like him as a selection, but I don't know if I could select him at his price. It's just a touch. It's a touch too pricey. Um, but I'll tell you who's not too pricey at $632,600 is Rory Laird. I agree 100% with Baz here that he is the lock for the Adelaide Football Club this year. And as soon as the thing happened with Sam Walsh, um, Rory Laird was the one that came into my side. Averaged 124 over his last 15 games, over the same amount of time as Jordan Dawson, averaging 107. Rory Laird averaged 124. Um, I only, I don't see their reliance on him in the midfield lessening, and he clearly can show it. We saw um, in 2020, I think it was, we saw him move, you know, off that known defensive role. They started playing up the ground, and we, and he was a great pickup for 2020. And we sort of thought, can this continue? Can it? Can it? Is this a real role? And then across 22 games last year, he averaged 116. And I think people are going to be turned off by him losing that defensive eligibility. But he is absolutely, as I speak to you now, in my team, locked in, and with just two percent ownership, uh, I just I think he is an absolute rip roaring, rip roaring, rip roaring, roaring. He's great. Rip snorting. <laughs> Uh, midfielder, tenth ranked player last year in Supercoach. He's good. He's very, very good. Um, speaking of good, Jack Steele, as we move along to St Kilda, is also listed as a lock. Craig jumped in and did the. Sorry, I'm assuming we're done with Adelaide. I'm assuming yeah, we can I think push so. along. Um, yeah, Craig jumped in and did the uh, the write up for the St Kilda Saints. Um, Jack Steele was the lock there, and I feel like he's very much in the same boat as Rory Laird. There's just there aren't too many arguments you can put up against the man of Steele. By the way, you can follow Craig at S E E F R E E M A N C Freeman on Twitter for all your Saint Kilda news. Tell him um, to give me Sam Draper back. <laughs> yeah, we're in a keeper league with Craig and Patch for some reason traded. Uh, his club's young up-and-coming ruckman. Anyway, we don't need to talk about that again on this podcast. Jack Steele, Damo, 685K. Does he benefit from the same thing that I think Tom Mitchell's going to benefit? Start of the season, tackling beast. Dominated, averaged a million points last year. I think he's a good selection regardless of that. Um, I'm currently tossing up between him and Clayton Oliver, and at the moment Clayton Oliver is winning just because it gives me a little bit of extra cash to play with, not too much, but a little bit, a little bit extra that I'm needing. Um, but I, he's going to be the best midfielder at the Saints this season, and who knows what Jade Gresham, who Craig has pinned as a breakout here, will do to his midfield minutes or midfield uh, influence. But um, 
I just think Steel's a, a good selection. And people are saying that they don't want to pick Clayton Oliver because Clayton Oliver will drop in price. Jack Steele only needs to score in the 90s to, to drop in price. So I think he's a good selection. But if you're selecting him over Clayton Oliver because you think he's going to drop in price, then it's the, it's the same argument in both ways. Well, Jack Steele was the second-ranked supercoach selection last year. Averaged 126, played 22 games, had three scores below 100, all of which were in the 90s. He just had a beast of a year. He had a couple of 150s on the run home. And I actually haven't done any analysis of the fixtures this year, but I'm assuming St. Kilda aren't going to play many like they're going to play more bad sides than they are good sides, right? Like they'll play the Blues twice, so there's 300 points. Lock it in. The one thing that I have worked out in the fixture is Melbourne play GWS and then St Kilda do. So they're so there are t- so he has a date with Matt DeVore early, early in the early on in the season. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at the. If this fixture is correct on Supercoach, they only play Carlton once, but um, it doesn't matter really. Look, you look at his averages; he averages a lot against all of these teams. He's a very good selection, I think. Yeah, I don't think DeBoer's best twenty-two for what it's worth, so I'm not even worried about the tag. Um, the tag concern there for the Giants—it's just not something I'm factoring in. Um, Wanganen Malera is the rookie he's gone with. I think if we see him early, he's likely to stay there for a little while. Um, he has spoken about Jade Gresham and Hunter Clark as uh, the breakout and Smokey, respectively. Both of them have been long-time kind of super coach teasers, if you will. They haven't quite um, broken through to what they've expected or what we wanted them to be. Gresham, a 299k mid forward. Hunter Clark, a 401k defense mid. Do either of these two whet your appetite uh, or or sate your appetite, uh, gentlemen? I can't bring myself to pick Jade Gresham, and I've never seen the appeal in Hunter Clark. More midfield time. That's the appeal. There's your appeal right there. Everyone's getting more midfield time in the preseason. Love it. Best time of the year. Um, Like Doggy, you keen on either of them? Yeah, no, I am. I am. I am. Jade Gresham's in my side as... Craig points out here, 2018, 19, and 20, average 79, 84, and 82, respectively. Um, if he averaged 85 for me again at 300K, and now the only question mark I have is over, can he stay on the park? If the answer to that is yes, which I'm willing to gamble that the answer to that is yes, um, you know my theory. If he can average over 80 and play the majority of the games, I think you're going to be a decent selection for total points, which means you're a decent selection if you're chasing overall rank. There's obviously risk there, but I really, really like him. Slotting him into my forward line and just having him burn away there. The flip side is, if he burns me, I mean, he does strike me as one of these guys that's going to be those perennial, when are they going to break out players, which we've had over the history of Supercoach. Um I can't think. Is Sean Higgins a good comparison? It took him a long time to break out. Sean Higgins did take a long time to break out. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if um, if Gresh has had the same trajectory as uh, as Higo did. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of on the fence. I haven't really played around with him too much. Um, maybe. Maybe he does follow the Sean Higgins path. Maybe this year he... He does Zach Merritt and goes bananas and gets a lot of midfield time very early to, to say. Um, but yeah, I'm willing to to keep an eye on him and give him a chance as well. Rowan Marshall isn't really mentioned much in this write-up either. And this is obviously written before um, the news about DPPs being added was put in there. Rowan Marshall is currently my R2. And if Paddy Ryder plays, we're expecting him to pick up forward eligibility quick smart. Is he a valid option? Damo, do you want to take that one? I really like Rowan Marshall, but I was only going to select him if he had DPP, and I was only going to select him in my forward line. With DPP now available as a potential 
during the season. I still don't know if I want to pick him until he definitely has it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, part of the reason why I've gone with him is that outside of Grundy, I don't know who I want as an R2, and I don't really want to go with a rookie R2 at this stage. So if I can look at Marshall, then assuming Ryder's playing by round six, I can move him forward and trade in if it's Sean Darcy going nuts or if it's Nick Nat being reliable or whoever it is, then I can trade into that second ruck and I've still not spent that R2 slot on a rookie. I've still got a premium in my side who I wanted there by the end. And I know starting players with the expectation that they're going to gain TPP is going to hurt a lot of people, but oh boy, am I willing to be one of them? I mean, you could just start Peter Wright or Tim English in your side and then you know they've got forward eligibility. Like dog, please. You could start OMAC, save some money. Look, I, I don't think Rowan Marshall's a bad selection, but I'm with you, Damo, that if I'm picking him thinking he will end up in my forward line and I will have a better Ruckman in the Ruck spot, I'd rather just pick the better Ruckman. Yeah, and that's that's basically how I look at it. Fair enough. Right. I just don't know who that better Ruckman is yet, but maybe in the month we've got left, I will figure it out. That's all right. I'm sure we'll find some 200k Ruckman to pick in that spot anyway. Let's move forward to Clarkie's article on the Melbourne Football Club, the mighty bloody premiers. Um, you can follow Clarkie at QuantumJC on Twitter. Wowie. Melbourne have some good players on their side. Um, Christian Petrarca is the lock, which is not Clayton Oliver or Max Gorn, which is probably surprising. Now, I understand the logic um, when you read through the piece. There's logic there for why Christian Petrarca is the lock over Clayton Oliver and Max Gorn. But gee whiz, I find it very hard to overlook Clayton Oliver as if I was going to pick one demon, the demon I pick. Agreed. Yeah, I've got Clayton Oliver in my team at the moment. But as I said, he's been chopping and changing with Jack Steele. But given that Clayton Oliver is just a little bit cheaper, I've got that bit of cash to play with. And I, at the moment, need that extra 13K or whatever it is to make my team how I want it. Basically, yeah. Clark is saying that if he if Petrarca can just improve slightly on his turnovers or clangers, that we're going to see a, an uptick in points for him because he was ranked first in the league for turnovers and second for clangers last year. So butchers the ball a little bit, uh, well, not a little bit, a lot. <laughs> but Clarky suggested that you know if that you only need a slight improvement in that for him to become. You know, not a from a borderline six hundred k player to a you know six fifty plus beast. The name on the, that on the actually stands side, though, out to me here is Christian Salem as the Smoky. So just so before, before we, we talk move, about that demo patch, you there's a yeah. slight lag. Um, uh, apologies. Do you want to I'm go just, with your Petrarca news? What you no, with uh, with Clayton Oliver stat. I'm going back through Footy Wire, and I'm currently at 2017, and his lowest Supercoach score since the start of 2017 is 67 there's 175 and then everything else is 80 or above and there's a lot of triple figure scores in here the man does not score he does not put up a bad game yeah well he started that. 2021 slowly averaging 114 for the first very slow games, and then very slow over um, the last uh over the last Six, 15 games, he averaged 129. So the guy's pretty good. But Damo, if you're still with us, my dude, um, do you want to talk about Christian Slalem? Yeah, stands out to me as the Smokey in this article. Um, and he probably sits in the same category as the as, as the Lockie Whitfields, just without the ceiling. Okay, okay. So are, are you suggesting that he is someone that you're interested in or is there someone that you're not interested in? He's someone that is a solid option that, I mean, he's probably a little too expensive at at over 500K, but if if he drops to about like that 450K and that's, all you, and that's all the money you have to spend when you're doing your upgrades, he's definitely a viable option. Yeah, I think he finishes kind of between 7 and 10 in overall rankings. He's kind of like just budget Jaden Short in my mind. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like he's he's fine. He's good. He'd be a very good pick in a draft league, but he's just came out Jaden short. He'll um, probably shed a hundred grand at some point from his starting price unless um, you know, he completely changed his trajectory. But I I, I think um last year I can't remember if I jumped on him when he was really cheap or not, but he was certainly someone we we looked at in a couple of podcasts as a as mm. a guy that like, hey, if you've only got a few dollars, this is a guy that could end up in yeah. your, your team on field and he's I wouldn't be looking at starting him, although he is below five hundred and fifty K, which we do like. We do like that. He's um if he gets a bigger slice of the kickout pie from Stephen May, I'd be very interested. But I think um, that's putting a, a decent cap on on what he can do. So, yeah, certainly one to to look at. I also, Clark, he's got it written here: the the Luke Jackson breakout, and I love me some Luke Jackson action. Um, but I I don't think it's this year. But I do. We think it's enough that Jackson will go into the ruck and dampen Gorn's influence. I haven't seen too many sides with Big Macs in them. I haven't seen many with Jackson. Is this the year we just avoid both of them and then reassess season's end? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, um, if I'm correct, Gorn's priced at about an average of 121. I think what he probably gives us is is an average of about 115 with some really big scores mixed in there, um, yeah. which is probably why he's not in as many teams. I don't. I actually don't think that Jackson has a huge, a huge impact on Max Gorn. I think Gorn's still going to be a really good selection. I just think, you know, Gorn's over. I think he's over thirty now. I, I don't know. There's just there's not as much reliance from him either in the team. I don't think it's necessarily related to Jackson specifically. No, but he's still going to pump out. 115 at a minimum, I'd say. So, you know, yeah, that's pretty I, good. Yeah. I mean, you look at the um, the prelim final where Jackson was doing a lot of rucking and Gorn still scored 159 and the grand final where Jackson did, you know, I think he did more rucking than Gorn did and Gorn still scored 95. Like the man is a menace with a contested mark and when, you know, we'll still take marks, we'll still kick goals, we'll still float and get intercept marks uh, behind the ball. I think he's still going to score pretty well. Um, I don't know but, about you guys, but... If I was to predict the um, the by average the ruckman this year, I'd probably go Brody Grundy number one. I think he had a down year, still scored one fifteen, and then like Sean Darcy, Nick Nat, and Max Gorn, I think are all going to go one fifteen plus. Like I don't think you can. I think you just got to pick the one that you think is not going to get injured and hope that they don't get injured. That's fair. That's fair. The, um, the only downside is Max Gorn is 15K more expensive than like a Sean Darcy. And I've seen lots of people just going with that tried and true Gorn and Grundy sort of combo. And I don't think it's one that's going to let you down too often. No, especially the weeks you uh, you nail that VC uh, with Big Max as well. Uh, would love to see that. Damo, you got Jack Hudson to write the Port Adelaide uh, write-up. I did. Good man, Jack Hudson. I He's... He he runs the he runs the Inner Sanctum website. Um, they cover everything from NFL to NRL to netball to volleyball to the Olympics, and they've got all these special podcasts hosted by some very good people. And I and he's probably the biggest Port Adelaide supporter that I that I, that I know. And so I thought, no one better to write this article and. He's put Carl Amon as a breakout. Like dog, you love Carl Amon. I do. I would argue that he's already broken out, to be honest with you. I think he is uh, an absolute beast. He's one of the few true wingmen I would probably consider in the super coach. Um, the only issue is that at mid only, even if you average 100, it's probably not enough. Uh, Paul Seedsman is another guy, but he's currently not not playing and he's for Adelaide. But yeah, no, love Carl Amon as a potential breakout option. I just look. Can you can you spend five hundred K on a midfielder in Supercoach Classic? I, I don't think you can. Not unless they're coming back from injury or they are Caleb Sarong. Yeah, well, yeah. Um even if even if uh Carl Amon, you know, goes beast mode and, and increases his average. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah he's, he's just, he's not going to be that top eight midfielder. I, I just can't see that world where he will be. 
is there any chance that throughout the season he gets DPP at any point? Because I know he does rest forward. I mean, if so, it changes the conversation, but it's not something that I'm I'm banking on. Um, He's he's the sort of person that you'll wait and see if that happens, not you'll start hoping that it happens. But if it happens, I imagine he's someone that people will want in their forward lines. He's a top 50 player in the comp for Supercoach, that's for sure. But I just he just doesn't fit into into the machinations. A top 50 guy in your midfield isn't good enough. No, uh, and how good I... is it having a Carl in the AFL? Oh, it's good for footy. It's good for football. You'd love to see it. Um, I would have, that... um, if I was writing that, sorry to cut you off, Patch, um, I would have actually looked at Willem Drew as a, as a potential breakout. I just There's something about Willem Drew that I like, averaged... Um, 87 for the year and just, you know, I, there's just something about him. And he's 470K. I just think he's someone who we, who might surprise us this year. You don't think he broke out last year? You, th- you don't think he's reached his well, ceiling? No, I don't. I think there's still room to grow for him. Um, He did obviously break out last year in that he improved. It's similar, similar to Carl Amon, right? They did break out last year, but... I just think there's uh, some real scope for Willem Drew to increase it at 470k. I think it's pretty cheap. Not someone I'm starting in classic super coach though. He's also mentioned Ollie Wines as his lock. Does Ollie yeah. Wines back up his Brownlow year though? They don't often do it. They don't the, often uh, back Brownlow up. curse. He did although, have a very good year last year though. And, and obviously by winning the Brownlow medal that, shows that how how good it was and i remember owning him for the last nine uh nine eight not eight or nine rounds last year and he was absolutely awesome in fact i think i think he was my vice captain for a lot of weeks in that it, it, along that final stretch and i didn't have to worry about who, who i had the sea on for that for most of that time so he had a very very good year last year but i just don't know if you can pay 612k for someone who's just won the Brownlow medal and who is and who you can't be confident is going to back it up. Although on the flip side, it's just there's nothing more than, you know, the superstition that he can't back it up on the basis that no other Brownlow medalists have done it. And, I mean, to be fair, it's hard to back up being literally the best player in the competition by, again, being literally the best player in the competition. But from a super coach standpoint, it reminds me of the conversation we've had we had for years and years and years about nobody ever backing up being the number one ruck and then suddenly Gorn did it and then Grundy did it and, you know, that curse was broken. And, you know, you could almost just pick the dumb reason that Oliver, like Ollie Wines came from a town that had a McDonald's when the previous eight Brownlow winners didn't and that means that he's broken <laughs> the curse. Like that, could, like, that could be the thing that breaks the curse. It's one of those weird supercoach niches where, you know, it's it's it, – has happened a few times and suddenly we start pulling data together because, you know, that's what we do with our, our random number generator that we enjoy playing with each and every week. Um, so I, I don't see any reason not to start him. I just see other players that I would like to select more than wines um, in that bracket being, you know, steel Mitchell. We've spoken about a lot of them already. Um, so that, that, yeah, I don't, I don't see wines as a bad selection. Um there's something in my in my waters that makes me think that he might be kind of like a Zach Merritt was last year, who was low 600s um, and wasn't a super popular pick to start and there was question marks over him, but then he went on to average 115. And that's good enough to be in your team at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and and, and Mato actually in the, four, in the 600K article said, essentially was like, look, he's a pretty good option at the price point compared to some of these other guys who are more expensive than him, like a um, like a Darcy Parrish or whatever. So uh, in the period Damo owned, owned him, he averaged about 125 super coach points. You know, he's still, he's still, you know, in, in the peak period of his career, he's, uh, he's 28. He's got a couple more years left at least at the top. I, I like him. I, I, I'm not going to start him, I don't think, but I like him. No, yeah, I'm agreed. not going to start him, but definitely will be one that I'm looking out for if if he drops in price. All right, before we yeah. quickly push well, on, uh, is there any rookies you are interested in? 
Patrick. Well, that's the thing that I, I like most about Port Adelaide is that the rookies rookie options are potentially there. We've got Josh Sin, who they you know jumped up two places and gave up a second rounder to to nab, um, and has you know been running around on a wing and has been impressing um, so far. So I think he's you know Port are good at playing the rookies. I think he's there round one. Sam Skinner brought in as a mature ager intercept defender. Forward mid eligible, uh, forward defence eligibility rather. Tick 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 tick. If he's named, he's in there. Sam Hayes has been spoken about for a couple of years now, and if he gets a nod round one with Laddams gone, um, really good option. Also, not that you'd pick him on the basis of this, but a chance at ruck forward DPP because Lysette will play as the number one ruck, and Hayes would play up forward. Jackson Mead is finally going to get a run at it this year, whether that's to start the Sandfall or start the AFL side. We don't know. Damo, you like Jace Burgoyne as a chance to get a run as well. I think there's a lot of rookie options, as there always are with Port, and all of them kind of excite me. So I'll be keeping a very close eye on the power and how you know how they put it all together through the preseason games on that front. Yeah, I, 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 you mentioned Jace Burgoyne there, and he's very lightly framed, but he has played Sandful footy and, by all reports, held held his own and has been impressing at Port Adelaide training. Whether he gets an opportunity in round one or if he's just someone that Ken Hinckley keeps keeps an eye on, then who knows? But Ken Hinckley will not hesitate to play the kids and give them opportunities from the get-go. And he's very upfront and open about what's happening with their teams. Um Love that. Week, so he's very helpful. Let's push on. Let's look at the Gold Coast Suns. This article was written by um, my partner, uh, my girlfriend, Cassie, and I realized the link to her, her Twitter's not working. I should probably know what that is, though. Um, it's at Drink Show Pod if you want to follow a podcast that talks about musicals and, um, and alcohol. The Gold Coast Suns. Uh, they lost their second best <laughs> midfielder for seemingly no reason, but God bless, God bless the free agency rules actually working in favor of the free of the player for once. What a dumb club! Took Miller is the lock at six hundred and seventy eight k, averaged one hundred and twenty five over his twenty one games, um, attended eighty eight percent of center bounces. And that average bumped up to 135 when Hugh Greenwood went down with injuries. So he's a guy who can score. He's not a guy I'm going to spend 678k on. No, I can't spend that much on him either. I mean, I loved his season last year, but he's just... I think there's too much unknown, and Stuart Jew is still trying to work out how to make that team work. And I just feel like until the team is winning games... No player will have their role locked in. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's always a chance that I think on the flip side that um, Took is their best player and it's daylight second and I don't think there's any world where he doesn't play in the centre square, you know, every centre bounce for the game. I think he's, I think he'll do very similar to what he did last year and there's, you know, which means he's priced it you know, just over where he should be. And there's not a huge amount of upside, but I don't think he's a bad pick by any means. I think just expect a fair chunk more of the same. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of a dip. I wouldn't be expecting anything more than what we got last season. Yeah. And look, um, I, I think you get what you you pay for with Tookie, but I just think at 680K or thereabouts, 670K, I'm not someone... I'm going to lock in. I think there's some other options. Having said that, they have no one else. Um, Braden Fiorini, who is over, not overpriced, but too expensive to consider. If he was, you know how I was, we were talking about 500k midfielders before that you couldn't look at? If Braden Fiorini was 500k, you'd look at him. Averaged 111 in that side when Hugh Greenwood wasn't in it. But starting at 550k, not someone you can look at, I don't think. No, thank you. What about um, the man that they bought in, uh, Charlie Constable? He's another perennial breakout, but there is a void of significance to be filled. I think this article was written before they signed James Cheetahs. Uh, yeah, it was. Yep. So I think James Cheetahs now takes that Charlie Constable's uh, takes that relevancy away from Charlie Constable. Well, let's. Do you want to talk about Cheetahs? 
Uh, mature age, won the Marguerite medal in, in, in the Sandful with Bryce Gibbs. Just basically, they've basically gone and got a direct Hugh Greenwood replacement. And so we, we expect him to be in that side from the start? You would assume so, but the Phantom doesn't think he's locked in just yet. If it was a competent club, he would be. Is he going to be the next Michael Barlow? That's all I care about. Yes. I think there I think there will be a Michael Barlow this year. I don't know if it's James Cheetahs. It's him or Greg Clark. It's one of them. But uh, I'm starting oh, yeah, both Clark, of them. And reckon everyone else should as well. Um, Cass has spoken about Joel Jeffrey, which I don't mind as a forward option. I forgot about him completely. He's still rookie-priced, will be very, very up and down. Um, and Elijah Hollins is you know, in everyone's side. We don't really need to talk about him too much there. Um, Rory Thompson as well, 123K. Remember that time we recommended Rory Thompson, Lek? Remember that? It was still the correct play. It was still it the was, correct play. It was still the correct play, despite him doing an ACL two weeks later. The um, thing about Joel Jeffrey is he could be quite relevant now with Ben King no longer Oh, available. true. True. Not that Joel Jeffrey is a tall forward, but he he can mark the footy and he can kick bags of goals. And so I feel like he could be used in a sort of like a pseudo medium kind of tall forward because he is that 190 centimetre or hovering around yeah. that 190 centimetres. And he can jump too. So I think there's, he's, yeah, a candidate to play taller than he is. And I think that's a very good shout actually. Hadn't there will be a bit that. of a shake up in that forward line, I think. I think a guy like Jai Farrar might um, might be pushed forward. He kind of started there, then they put him behind the ball. They might push him back up into the forward line. It's going to be interesting how they line up because their whole structure has to change in that forward line, really. Unless you're going to tell me that Levi Kasbolt's going to become their key. Uh, yes. Big Levi. Get him in. F6. No, I don't want to talk about this guy because you know how I feel, but let's just quickly touch on Matt Rowell. I'm a no. Damo, what are you? I actually kind of agree with what's written here. He has only actually scored well in four good in four games, and it was games where impact probably meant more than actually playing football well in 2020 when, you know, people were earning points for literally breathing on the field in 2020. So I definitely think that he was one of those flash in the pans and now we've got to wait for him to build himself up and properly break out. Well, I think, I think I... it says it... You, Sorry, Patch, I was going to throw to you. I, it, I think it says it in this article that he probably becomes a good player at some point, but probably not right now. And that's how I feel. I mean, I just... I have no interest in starting this man. Yeah, I think from a structural point of view this year, I don't think anyone will be starting Matt Rowell anyway. I just don't think we really have space with all the rookies we do. Like you'd be starting Greg Clark over Matt Rowell um, in terms of selections because you'll get similar output perhaps for, um, you know, for 200K less. 200K less, yeah. But I, I see a world, I, I reckon Rowell can well average 100 this year. And I think he will make a fair chunk of cash. It's just that cash will be made easier by a rookie because we've got so many of them in the midfield that I just don't think he's relevant. I think this is, you know, he spent a lot of time last year just working his way into it. And Stewie Dewitt obviously told him, like, mate, we're not winning games. Like, just work your way into it, feel comfortable, you know, hit the preseason hard, which from all accounts he's done, from all accounts he's back to, you know, where he was. And I... Th- I think he's too good of a footballer not to score super coach points, which sadly ruins him for next year. But I think if he gets on the park and he's uninterrupted, then I think he's he will score points. Really, really good draft option, but not not for classic for mine. Right, let's kick this one down to Arden Street, where Azza has done the pocket profile on North Melbourne. You can follow him on Twitter at Azza Jewel. Uh, the breakout one in this stood out to me, boys, and he and I he's in my yes. team in Taron Thomas. Ooh, yes. I had would have never in 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 no circumstances considered this man. I read this article and he was in my team. As has put a very convincing argument forward. He's compared him to Nat Fife, Josh Kelly, Dustin Martin, and Marcus Bontempelli at the same points in their career. 
And Taron Thomas comes well out well well on top. It's really really interesting stuff. And um, for those playing at home, he ended up finishing the year like a house on fire. He averaged 105 over the last six games that he played in the season. Um, and then if you include the last 14 games, he averaged about 93. So like he just all of a sudden he was scoring points and. I, I'm going to put my hand up and say I didn't watch a lot of North Melbourne's football last year. I would have assumed he was just playing a small forward sort of role, but the kid is uh, statistically a bloody beast. I don't have him in my team, and I think he's I think he's up against uh, the likes of your Zach Butters and. Uh, Jordan Degoe and, you know, players like that. And I guess it comes down to who you have more faith in. And he's put a very convincing argument here for Taron Thomas, but he's not in my team at the moment. What about you, Patch? Any any interest in this? Uh, if you're asking me to put faith in the yeah, you're asking me to put faith in a North Melbourne player, and oh boy, does that make me feel the heebie-jeebies. Um, I just no, I've uh, I've got the franchise in Jamara Horn Franklin locked away. Outside of that, real queasy on all of the North players, and you know Thomas may well be brilliant, but I would rather start Butters or rather start, you know. Trelaw or like I'd rather start somebody else and corrective into Taran rather than the other way around. Um, just because I don't, you know, they've bought in Hugh Greenwood because the Gold Coast are just the dumbest. And, you know, even though, you know, at this stage it might look like Chad Anderson will get Novavax now that that's been approved. Um, you know, even without Cunnington there, they've still got Will Phillips, Will Powell, uh, sorry, Tom Powell, sorry. Um, We've still got all these guys coming through who they will want to give midfield time to. Does Thomas demand as much as his stats and form would indicate? I'm not convinced that, you know, I, I will correct into him at this stage. I'm just not getting good vibes from him. Not getting good vibes from Aaron Hall. Uh, not getting good vibes from Jed Anderson. Uh, not getting good vibes from Jared Polek or Jack Zebel or Aiden Core or... About, yeah, sorry. There's one other player I'm getting good vibes about. That's Tom Powell, because I love Tom Powell. Um, let's, talk Hall, about Aaron, let's talk about Aaron Hall, though. Um, my fears were met when I watched their intra-club the other day. Aaron Hall moved down to the wing and played a lot of his... Played a lot of that game. I know an intra-club, you, there's not too much you can pay attention to. It's just really about getting players into form and seeing who's pushing for selection and who's in which team, but Luke McDonald and Jack Zebel has pushed Aaron Hall out of that defense by the looks of it. And Aaron Hall did his best work as a seagull. It's true. Oh, look, for me, um, as it puts together a strong case here where maybe he can become the number one defender, but 572K, 573K, if he pushes up to a wing and his scoring diminishes anything at all, then it's a bad investment. Um, it's partly why... See, it's interesting because I, I think Jordan Dawson, who is 20K cheaper but has similar concerns around him, I think he can maintain his average regardless of really where he is on the ground. Um, whereas I don't think Aaron Hall can, as you've pointed out there, Damo. It's... It's an interesting one, but he's he's also like he's in a lot of teams, and there are people talking about Aaron Hall like he's a bona fide premium. He's been a premium for one season, and that's that was the, last season. Yeah, that's what's that's the thing to me it's, as well. It's it's like it's like it's like a bona fide premium is a player who has done it year on year for multiple years. Aaron Hall has done it for one season, and there's not even confirmation that he's going to remain in that position going into this season. And you know he's what? Thirty one too. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's started with injuries, started with sub-games. I'm not... No. I know people talk about the fact that he had a 6 and a 37 in there. I, at no stage have I been remotely interested in Aaron Hall. A lot of it has been vibes. A lot of it has been Damo 
putting my vibes into words because you're smarter than I am. I just don't 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 want a bar of it really. The own there's one rookie that hasn't been mentioned, Paul Curtis. And like you said, he had the kind of name that you felt like could come onto the Supercoach scene and average 80 <laughs> out of out of nowhere because he's got one of those names. Watching him in that intra club, he was tackling everything that came within five meters of him. Well, that's good to know. Um, uh, Paul Curtis is a very solid Supercoach name and uh, two first names always, always goes well. All right, final, yeah. let's move on to the final uh, one because we have dragged on here because we talk a lot of rubbish. It is the Collingwood Football Club. It was done by Supercoach Paige herself. Um, Paige Cardona came on and and did this uh, essay for us. Um, bloody amazing work. The lock, Brody Grundy. He's actually not in my team right now, but he will end up there. I can't argue with it. There's... It's Brody Grundy. He's probably the he's probably the only ruckman you can lock into your team at the moment. Yeah, hasn't left um, my side. Mason, uh, I almost said Mason Cox. Nick Dacos is going to be in every single team as well, and so he should be patch. Yep, absolutely. He floated as a halfback role, which you know we're worried about him sitting forward. Halfback will score more points, more super coach friendly. Might end up with DPP. Tick 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 tick. He's in the side. And Mason goggles Cox, just avoid him. That yep. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. With his I... goggles, he looks like he should be in the X Men. <laughs> Cyclops. Um, I do have Jordan Dugowie in my side at the moment. The I'm I'm getting a bit um, squeamish because there's been you know he's been off the track, on the track, off the track. I don't know if he's injured or not. But over that last seven games, he, when he was in the guts and he played behind the ball a fair bit as well, he did just, he averaged 109. He was seagulling it up. He seems to get some weird injuries, like split the webbing in his hand and something. And Patch, we won't talk about that. Um, no, I was going to say getting bitten by a but dog, he, but, but also the other thing. Splits the webbing in his, but splits the webbing in his hands, gets a. It's just like weird injuries that don't feel like they're football injuries, if that makes sense. And he misses time because of because of it. But when he's there and going, he he plays quite well. And not in my side at the moment because he probably is is rivaling the Trelaws, the Butter, the Thomas, you know, those sorts of players. But and but yeah, just he's just not in my side at the moment and. Look, I I understand the hesitation. I think there's 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 good reason to be hesitant on him. Um, if he in that one preseason game they play scores 120, I will probably select him. Provides value. The other rookie that was mentioned as well is Charlie Dean, who is a good chance to line up in round one now with Jordan Ruffhead. Could return by round four, so that gives Charlie Dean three weeks. But I don't think Charlie Dean's going to be dislodged from the team that easily. Now, Patch, before we get to the man that I know you're going to want to talk about, I, I want to look at defense. Yep. Do you – there's three names that interest me. Jack Crisp, who's in 26% of teams, 570K. Jeremy Howe, who's $427,000. And a guy who's in my team and no one else's, it seems, is Braden Maynard at uh, 500K. Patch, speak to me about these names. Right. So the – I'm – yeah, intrigued by how Collingwood line up in the back line this year. Um, very, very intrigued. And honestly, don't want a bar of it. Just don't want a bar of it. I think um, Crisp and Maynard will, you know, there have been discussions about more midfield time. I think they kind of play similar roles that they did last year. But I think they will lose out when Scott Penderbury comes back and he's the best kick in the team and will take kickouts from both of them. Um, and maybe that means Chris. Crisp moves up the ground, um, but at five hundred and seventy-one k, I don't see, I don't see an improvement. I, I real, I feel real funny about it. Maynard in the same boat. I don't, so I don't have know. the kickout stats available, but did Jack Crisp actually take that many? I was under the impression he did. Um, not, not like a massive number, but even if it's like losing, I don't think he took enough to for it to affect his scoring well i mean even if he takes like two a game that is you know and a long kick which is three points you know that's two of them 
from stepping out. The of thing the that gets me about Jack Crisp is he doesn't miss games. He is like missed like one game of football in like five seasons. He does, and I know, but I I would want to see how Penderbury and Dacos roll into that back line before I really look at either Crisp or Maynard. I'm just not comfortable splashing that much cash on Crisp and Maynard. I, I don't know. I just don't don't. Jack Crisp is the one defender that has been locked into my team this entire preseason. I yeah I don't I don't like it. I just don't like either of them. How plays a different role intercepting? Sure, if you want to bring in a 420k defender, sure, he's fine. Um, I'm concerned by the other two. I would definitely take Crisp over Aaron Hall just purely for the games played. Yes. Thing. Um, it's funny. I feel similarly. The reason I may not just scores less, but he's cheaper. But he's the same thing. He plays most games, um, and I just think he's a guy that always ends up with decent total points. So um, he's around that price where I think he was ranked fifty first last year. I think he could probably push up. I need to see how they line up. But anyway, let's talk about the man patch that you want to talk about. The whole world wants to hear about Finn McRae. Oh boy, get him in there. Get him in the guts and. You know, Lapinski coming across, I don't know how that affects their mid shake-up, but if Pendlebury takes a step back, still side-bottom plays more on either a wing or in Chris Main's role or up forward, or, um, you know, Taylor Adams is injured again because he's always injured. I think McRae has a really good chance of getting in there. He had a ridiculous points-per-minute run. There's a slight risk of him being the sub, but at 200k, You'd hope he gets bulk minutes in there. Lipinski, I'd need to watch him in the preseason, see how Lipinski rolls through there to see if they give Reef McInnes a game through the guts as well. There's a little bit... He's not currently in my team, and there might be better midfield rookie options purely because there'll be guys that are cheaper that are guaranteed more games, but huge watch on Finn McRae because I love him. Love him to bits. Averaged 57 over those last four games that he did play. Um, it's a new world order, isn't it? There, there was a day where we wouldn't have even considered players at 200k. It's a new world order, baby, and I love it. Yep, it's a more fun order, honestly. Um, more interesting. Um, I I think he'll be a really, really good player at some point, and I think this is the year we get the chance to pick him um, still as a rookie option. Uh I don't know. It's uh, still up in the air, depending on where else uh, things land. But I think, I think he'll be very good. And if he gets a run at it, could average eighty or eighty-five. And I think we can probably wrap this lengthy, lengthy podcast up. Girthy podcast. It's been a long one. Damo, Will Kelly is another option. As Apologies. <laughs> Apologies. Yes. 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 If you want someone who's going to play but not score very much. Um, Patch, thank you for joining. Not a problem. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Community, all the good articles are on the, uh, on the homepage. Go to the 2022 Supercoach Resource page. Everything is linked in there. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on board. This thing is not far away.